Hello, and welcome to episode 603 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. We are the co-founders here at ETR, and the dominoes, they are falling. Preseason week one is in the books. First phase of training camp is over, and and we got two very big running back signings this week as well. The rankings, they are changing. Evan, how's it going today? Going great. This is Tuesday. Early afternoon, made a ton of uh, rankings changes over the past couple days. We have actual data to work with from the first week of preseason. You'll hear people say all the time, preseason doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. We don't think that the performance of players in preseason matters very much at all. What does matter is where dudes are on the depth chart. And that is, I mean, and it gives us, you know, hints as to what is going on in practice, um, where guys are in terms of their their uh, their competitions, and dudes will will change their placement on the depth charts as preseason progresses. And our job is to monitor all of those changes and have them be reflected in our rankings. And we also have to use a lot of feel. Yeah. But look, we we me and Adam have been doing this for. What, a decade and a half at this point. I mean, and, and no one covers the preseason as in depth as Adam Levitan. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of nuance to it, right? Like certain guys sitting out, certain guys playing, certain guys playing ahead of other guys. There's a ton of nuance to it. And I think that's what is, gets lost in the discussion. The discussion is just preseason doesn't matter or, oh, look at Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, like there's a ton more nuance that goes through it. We will talk about all of that here today and how they've affect our rankings, Evan's rankings, what actually matters. Before we get into it here, reminder that preseason DFS does return Thursday. It was an awesome week one. If you're interested in playing preseason DFS week two, check out that tab in the menu on EstablishTheRun.com. Second, want to be clear that we give a ton of context around our rankings in articles and this podcast. But the most important thing we do where we have a massive team working on getting every little thing right is in our rankings. Our rankings are not some free list you find on the internet. We have everyone from data scientists to professional DFS players, Devin and I working on the inputs that go into the ranks and we are constantly adjusting for news and the market. So if you have an important fantasy draft coming up, be sure to check out our draft kit. And if you're going to play DFS also this season, the bundle is by far your best option. Check out the subscribe tab on establishtherun.com. All right, let's start with this Ezekiel Elliott signing Evan Patriots, we knew the Patriots were going to sign it back. They had kicked tires on so many backs. They had expressed concern that Ramondre Stevenson wore down on too big of a workload last year. We knew Damian Harris was gone. We knew they have virtual dust behind Ramondre Stevenson. They were going to sign someone. Turns out they make the move to sign Ezekiel Elliott. Evan, how do you think Zeke will fit in with the Patriots behind Ramondre Stevenson? So... The Patriots gave Ezekiel Elliott, I believe it was $4 million, $1 million guaranteed. I thought that that was a little bit surprising that he got that much. But at the end of the day, they had you know enough money to spend. Their, their quarterback's on a rookie deal, and they needed some insurance. And they're, you know, Pierre Strong is like kind of shaping up to be a special teamer. And, you know, Kevin Harris is kind of just a, just a guy. Damian Harris is obviously long gone at this point. And as you mentioned, Ramondre Stevenson, I mean, he got worked really hard last year. And he wasn't, 
you know, they weren't necessarily planning on, on using him like that. Uh, but Damian Harris, of course, got hurt. And Ramondre Stevenson wound up being the best player on the Patriots offense. I think he's still the best player on the Patriots offense. And I think that Ezekiel Elliott is largely insurance. Coaches really like Ezekiel Elliott in pass protection. There is some concern that Ezekiel Elliott could take away short yardage goal line, at least a little bit. And so that would where, be where my, my concern would come in. But I didn't move down Ramondre Stevenson. Actually, I ticked him down a little bit, but I didn't move him from where I had him, RB10 or RB11, among running backs. Um, so I still really like him as a third-round fantasy pick, and I'm kind of sticking to those guns. I mean, I think he's just he's going to remain the centerpiece of an offense that I think is going to improve from last year. I mean, let, let's be clear. Ramondre Stevenson is leaps and bounds better at football than Ezekiel Elliott at this point. And I think that's especially true as a pass catcher. Maybe not as a pass protector, but as a pass catcher. Ramondre is awesome. They absolutely cannot afford to not have Ramondre Stevenson be a big part of their pass game. My concern is that Zeke is, gets labeled, fairly or unfairly, as one of the better short yardage goal line backs in the NFL. And so in events where they get a, a first and goal from the one, uh, they get the ball inside the one yard line, inside the two, inside the five. That could be Ezekiel Elliott range. I don't think, though, that there is much else that we weren't already baking in to take away from Ramondre. So we were we had a pretty good fade on Ramondre already because our opponents, our enemies, they were not baking in enough unlisted work. They were not confident enough that the Patriots were going to sign someone. We've I've not been taking Ramondre at all, but that also meant we don't really have to move him down that much anymore. Evan has Ramondre still up there as an early third round pick. Evan, would you take Ezekiel Elliott at all in a draft at this point? I would not want to take him. You know, I guess there are certain scenarios, you know, depth of the league. Who do I have at running back so far? You know, um, I guess there are certain scenarios where I take him. He is, he's in the top 150. Yeah. But he's not someone that I'm at all excited about in New England. Yeah. Evan put Zeke in at 146 overall uh, in his top 150. Okay. By the way, one other... Two other points I just want to make on the Patriots very quickly. <laughs> I mean, this team is so slow. Like, adding Zeke, it's just like, God, this team is so painfully yeah. slow. Second, they have the hardest schedule in the NFL, and it's not really that close. Like, it could be really ugly for the Patriots this year, is what I'm saying. Not because the team is any worse than last year. I actually think that they're a little bit better, but the schedule is so brutal, and my God, they're so slow. Yeah, yeah. The the defense isn't just in the AFC East. Are I mean they're they're so good. Like, right. and the Patriots defense is going to be good. So I, I don't. I mean I think they're going to be better offensively than they were last year. But it's it's going to be a tough road, no question. Obstacles obstacles all over the schedule. Right. Agreed. And that's why people say, oh well, if Zeke's going to get the goal line work, how do you not have him ranked higher? He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. The team's not going to score a bunch of touchdowns. I don't think. You know. So period. Okay. Jets make their move. Signing Dalvin Cook for a deal on a deal worth up to $8.6 million. I think this was 2x reportedly, double what the Dolphins offered Dalvin Cook. My thought on this was, and I should say at the same time they signed Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall was activated off of the injured list. Brees Hall expected to ramp up and hopefully be ready for week one, according to the Jets. Meanwhile, Dalvin is coming off of a shoulder issue. He's not going to be ready for another one, one and a half 
two weeks. So the whole thing is a mess. And all I can think about, Evan, is that Aaron Rodgers, who knows Dalvin Cook very well from their time together playing twice a year in the NFC North, he wanted Dalvin Cook. He just took a $35 million pay cut. He said, I don't know this Brees Hall kid is. He's coming off an ACL. Go get me Dalvin Cook. I just took a $35 million pay cut. I want Dalvin Cook in the backfield next to me. To me, I know it sounds crazy. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I kind of think that that's where I would bet what happens. So what do you think about Dalvin Cook signing with the Jets, the Aaron Rodgers stuff, and anything else on Brees Hall's outlook? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he hasn't, you know, he's barely even probably met Brees Hall. I mean, again, Brees Hall just started practicing. He's He was very limited in his first day. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think that this was, that Aaron Rodgers was behind that. I mean, there's just so many, so many tea leaves to read that that suggest that um, Aaron Rodgers or uh, uh, Dalvin Cook is another running back who is considered really good in pass protection. He's had this, these ongoing shoulder injuries throughout his career, going back to Florida State. I believe he had double shoulder surgery at Florida State, um, but he's been playing the NFL through these shoulder injuries, and now theoretically, since he just had surgery, finally, the issue should be fixed. Um, they gave him a lot of money. I mean, they gave him 8.6 million majority of it guaranteed. That is absolutely starter money in the NFL for a running back. And it's a surprisingly large amount. And I mean, I think that he's probably going to open the season as the jets lead back and, and they'll mix in Brees hall. I think that Brees hall is going to be a big time factor down the stretch for the jets. But I also think that he's going to open the season lacking start startability. And that's not what you want from your third round pick in fantasy football. So I moved him down from RB14 to RB21. And I'm, I'm not going to be getting him because if you saw the sentiment on Twitter and amongst the fantasy football community, I mean, a lot of people are having this take lock on Brees Hall. You need to make a big adjustment here. I mean, this is a significant signing. We've talked for years about the trust factor for veteran quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. These dudes dictate who's going to be next to them riding side side on the shotgun. Mm -hmm. And if Aaron Rodgers says that he wants Dalvin Cook out there and not Brees Hall, he's going to get his way. I think that's a great point. And as someone who has taken stone cold zero Dalvin Cook this summer, I am big time scared. And I'm not big time scared that Dalvin is really good. And he's going to blow the doors off or whatever. I am scared that Aaron Rodgers will say, I want Dalvin out there next to me, period. End of story. Cause I still think Brees is a better player. I mean, assuming Brees gets back to hundred percent, would you agree, Evan, that you would rather have Brees on your team than Dalvin? Absolutely. Agree. I mean, Dal Dalvin is not coming off a, a good season. Right. Um, and, and, and it's fair to question what he has left in his tank. He's still only 28, but it's fair to question. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Dalvin is fine, you know, but I don't think he's at the superstar level he once was. And I think right. Brees was slash is ascending toward that level. But I think Evan's points are well taken. I don't want to be too high on Brees out of fear that Aaron Rodgers just shoves it right down my throat with the veteran stuff with liking Dalvin Cook. And so, yeah, I think Evan's move is a little bit aggressive. I would personally have Brees Hall a little bit higher, but I totally understand Evan went 64 overall, Brees Hall 67 overall. Dalvin Cook. We'll see how the ADP shakes out there.
Yeah, and I think one thing to think about also is the complexion of the team because this team is probably going to be really freaking good on defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to have a ton of volume in their offense. And- I, I think that they'll be generally they'll they'll be pretty efficient on offense, but. I, you know, I don't expect the Jets to be like some super high scoring team. Well, this has been the story with Aaron Rodgers. Be efficient. Don't play fast, but be very efficient. And by the way, Alan Lazard, Corey Davis, two very good run blocking wide receivers. I mean, this could be a very, very good and voluminous run game for both Brees Hall and, and Dalvin Cook. So, um, yeah, super interesting for sure. Yeah, other tight ends can block too. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzoma. Even Jeremy Ruckert was considered a um, a really quality blocker coming out of college a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I mean, they're built to be like a high-volume running team, I would yep. say. Agreed. Okay. There's more fallout from this that isn't directly related. Indirectly related, we now know that Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott will not be signing with the Miami Dolphins. Leonard Fournette is still out there. Kareem Hunt is still out there. But I will say we've been massively overweight on Raheem Mostert in the rankings uh, for a while. And I was a little bit queasy about that because I thought they would sign one of these guys now that they haven't. And yeah, they could still sign Lenny. They could now still sign Kareem Hunt. I don't think they will. I think the Dolphins are going to go into the year with Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and A-Chain. And I think that's fine. I kind of regret not taking more Mostert already. Evan, how high are you on Dolphins backfield? And by the way, we should note that Devon A-Chain, he was a rookie, but he did play a ton in the preseason game. Deep into the game, he was a gunner on special teams, played in the third quarter. Et cetera, et cetera. So what are you, what's your outlook now on Dolphins running backs? I mean, it's a tough situation to sort out. You know, the, at the end of the day, this offense is going to run through the wideouts, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Um, there are three backs here. Devin A-Chain has been generating a ton of buzz so far in training camp. Uh, Mike McDaniel has, you know, a long history with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I just think they're going to play all three guys. and. Yeah. It's going to be really difficult to sort. The, the guy who I've ranked highest is Devin A-Chain because I believe he has the highest ceiling. Um, but Mostert and Wilson are, are definitely both draftable later on, and uh, and they're both in the top 150. It's just I, I think it's going to be a three-man backfield. Yeah, and I think they'll have an efficient running game. I slightly prefer Mostert to Jeff Wilson just as I think more explosive player, although maybe less likely to sustain – health at this point in his career and yeah the a-chain stuff i think it could be a slow start for a-chain like Mm -hmm. you know i think he could be mixed in a bit sparingly to start but totally agree down the stretch a-chain is the guy that i would want and agree with evan on having him rank the highest other fallout tony pollard i know we talked about it a bunch on the round two pod hopefully you guys listened to the pod about round two rankings where i had tony pollard 13th overall i did think that there was some chance they would re-sign zeke i thought that was the best landing spot for Zeke, we now know that's not going to happen. Doesn't mean they can't sign Lenny. Doesn't mean they can't sign Hunt. But God, I've been taking Tony Pollard when he falls like 13 and on. I just take Tony Pollard. I just like, I'm not going to try to mess this up. Do you think Tony Pollard is safer now? Do you consider or did you move Tony Pollard up after we know Zeke and Dalvin are gone? Yeah, I sure did. I moved him from RB6 to RB3. So right, right now he's a fringe first round pick. If you're using my rankings, like you're going to have a good shot. At Tony Pollard, I think he can absolutely wreck this season. I mean, he is he's awesome. Tony Pollard is awesome. We've known that really for years. And, you know, he's he's on the franchise tag. They're committed to him. Um, you know, he's obviously fully recovered from his fibula and high ankle fracture. 
I mean, he's he's going to cook this year. No, no question. Tony Pollard is going to have a big, big year. Yeah, for more on Tony Pollard, you can listen to the round two pod. But again, I think this will actually be a pass-centric offense. That is what they are built for, to be a pass-centric offense. And that's going to be awesome for Tony Pollard. All right. Injury news. J.K. Dobbins finally back in practice. I thought he was doing like a quiet holdout slash resting thing. Never was worried about it. Did see some video of him looking really good. Remember last year, the video of him was not good. It looked like he was dragging that right leg behind him a bit. Looks good this year. The discount, I presume, will be over now where people have been able to get him. Are you moving J.K. Dobbins up? Is he someone you want to be targeting now that we know he's back in practice? I did move him up to a range where, you know, you're at least going to have a shot at him before if you were using the rankings. I don't think that you were. You would. I, I have really been drafting Next to no J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, I, I think we've, we've all been really high on the Ravens offense this year under Todd Monken and we really like Lamar. And I mean, it's going to be a committee backfield. Gus Edwards is going to be involved. I don't know how much passing game usage J.K. Dobbins is going to get. It's probably not going to be a lot. Um, but, you know, when he's healthy and, and it seems like he, he's on that path, he can be a really explosive, big play runner. Um, and again, you know, he, he's going to be the lead back in, in what we expect to be of a highly productive offense. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on Dobbins. I think just his efficiency, I mean, even running on one leg last year, he averaged over five yards per carry. This yep. dude is going to average over five yards per carry. He looks healthier than he did. Todd Monken, when he was with Cleveland in 2019, I believe it was, uh, Nick Chubb set. Uh, near career highs in pass game usage. So I wouldn't completely rule it out. I agree with Evan. I wouldn't expect a big pass game role for J.K. Dobbins, but it's at least there. So yeah, I would put J.K. Dobbins in that range in the middle there where I think he's like, fine, Damian Pierce, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Mixon types. You know, I think all those guys I would call structurally, I don't typically take running back there, but I think they're all fine and ranked appropriately. Let's go to... News that Anthony Richardson will start week one. I would hope that most people had Anthony Richardson projected for the full 17 games. It's so rare in today's NFL for teams to take a quarterback in the first round, in the top 10, in the top five, and not have him start week one and the whole year. Do think Gardner Minshew is a pretty reasonable backup. But yeah, Anthony Richardson's first preseason game was not that pretty. Did throw an ugly interception. Evan, what do you think about the news that Anthony Richardson will start week one for the Colts? It's big. Um, and I actually, I need to move them up the rankings. This, this was just announced a, a few hours before yep. we started today. Um, he's going to get moved up. I, I came out guns blazing after the draft on Anthony Richardson. I think I had him like 75th overall. And then I'm, and then I heard some concerning stuff about him at mini camp. Um, he, he's just been really up and down. I started to get a little bit of cold feet, moved him down. Um, and he's somewhere in like, I don't know, the 125 range or something right now. I, I, I'm going to move him up, though. Uh, I, I think that this kind of, you know, assurance that he's going to be the week one starter over Gardner Minshew, I, I think it's big. Because I think that you're going to be able to use Anthony Richardson potentially, uh, you know, potentially in week one yeah. uh, as a fantasy starter. So, I mean, because he's got that kind of athleticism, you know, he, he's going to run the football aggressively. And uh, I, I'm, I'm moving them up. The, I think people misconstrue the rushing stuff, ceiling for floor. The floor is awesome. Like these Terrell Pryor, Tim Tebow, 
you know, even if Anthony Richardson is as bad as a thrower as those guys, the floor on those guys were still there. Tim mm-hmm. Tebow and Terrell Pryor, they couldn't throw the ball at all. And they were still finishing as top 10 quarterbacks every week because they ran so much. I think the floor on Anthony Richardson is there. I do question the ceiling, though, in the scheme they're going to run and with the weapons that they have. And so I'm not like super in on Anthony, Anthony Richardson, but I think the floor is absolutely awesome. And we'll for sure be talking about him week one DFS because he is pretty cheap and we know that he's going to get rushing stats. Yeah, God, Tim Tebow. I mean, he was like a legit fantasy starter. I oh, remember awesome. there was one year when I was back at working at Roto World and um, I like became friends with David Pollock. Uh, he used to play for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's on, uh, I think he's on ESPN game day now. And I would help him with his fantasy team. And I was like, dude, let's pick up Tim Tebow and just start him every week. And he was like, what? Are you crazy? And then it would be an, an adventure every week, you know, because he's doing, he's making big time mistakes on the field, but he would wind up with 22 fantasy points. Exactly. And David Pollock wound up winning his league that year. Exactly. All right. Zach Ertz got cleared. Zach Ertz, uh, I'm pretty shocked by this. You know, dude is 32, 33 years old, had a late season ACL tear, cleared and reportedly on pace for week one. I get that Zach Ertz probably can still play. I just think if I'm the Cardinals and I have looking at this massive rebuilding season, perhaps tanking for Caleb, you need to get development out of Trey McBride, who you used a ton of draft capital on last year. I think they'll play plenty of two tight end sets. I'm still skeptical that Zach Ertz is actually going to be ready for week one, despite what they're saying. It doesn't make me feel great about these late round Trey McBride shares I'm taking. I don't want to spend a ton of time here because this isn't really a factor for home mm-hmm. league. I don't think either guys would be drafted in home league. But Evan, any thoughts on Zach Ertz's role with the Cardinals this year and Trey McBride? I just, I, I'm not even like really, he's not even really a consideration for me. Because um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, he's probably going to share time with Trey McBride. I mean, they're talking about starting rookie Clayton Toon out of Houston. Um, who did not look good in their first preseason game. Clay, uh, Colt McCoy, who, who would probably be their other option, is now like working with Josh Norris and Hayden Winks at underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're going to have him on during the season. Like I, I saw that too. I I, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Like he's so busy during the season. He's starting NFL games. He's going to take the time to like hang out with Norris in the middle of the season. It's so, it's so funny, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean just. The team situation in Arizona, I I mean, I think that they're like almost legitimately tanking. Yep. Okay. Let's get to some of the preseason stuff. And we're going to circle back to some other news and rank change stuff in a second here. I want to get to all the preseason usage stuff that we thought mattered. The first one, Christian Kirk was only on the field in three wide receiver sets playing the slot in their preseason game. In other words, when it was two wide receiver sets, it was Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. When they went three wide, Kirk comes on, he plays in the slot. Now, I don't want to overreact here because I do think the Jaguars will be three wide receiver base and all three of them will be on the field a ton. But I do think it's at least somewhat concerning Calvin Ridley mucking up the works here. And by the way, they have Travis Etienne, they have Evan Ingram, and this team has a lot of mouths to feed. So Evan, did you move Christian Kirk, Zay Jones at all on this news coming out of their first preseason game? I have not yet. I've been inching up Calvin Ridley as he continues to generate a lot of hype uh, in training camp. I mean, he looks really, really good out there. Um, I have not moved Christian Kirk down yet. I don't know. That's something I'm going to have to figure out because if he's not playing in two receiver sets, that's scary. Doug Peterson, their head coach, has a long history using two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doug Peterson will change his offense 
to suit his personnel. I, I'm with you that the, the best personnel package for the Jaguars is three receiver sets. But still, I mean, this is – I would say it's it's fairly concerning for Christian Kirk. I, I'm probably going to have to end up moving him down a little bit. Although, it also wouldn't surprise me if during their second preseason game and their third preseason game, Christian Kirk is back out there in the two wides. I, we're going to have to see. Yeah, it's, it's something to monitor for sure. I, I think Zay Jones probably – I think the Jaguars coaches have a higher opinion of Zay Jones, especially the way he played last year than probably a lot of other people do. And so to get Zay Jones in 120s, 130s right now, I think is a pretty good deal. I would also note that the Jaguars used a second-round pick on tight end Brenton Strange uh, this year. And so they have Evan Ingram and a second-round pick invested yeah. in Brenton Strange. And so, again, if you're not playing in two wide receiver sets, it's at least somewhat concerning to me on the Christian Kirk stuff. Yeah, Zay Jones, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves on his performance last year. He had, I know he had like a big what, week 17 or whatever. He had 80 catches. He averaged like nine yards per catch. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's not. He's, he's Evan not, is not capitulating not, on Zay Jones. Yeah, I'm not, not scoring at home. He's not capitulating on Zay Jones talent. Okay. Oh, one more Jaguars note. So Trevor Lawrence played, I believe it was 13 snaps, 12 snaps. Uh, Tank Bigsby was only on the field for one of them, but it was a very specific situation. They got into a third and one and they brought in Tank Bigsby specifically for that. That was it. Tank Bigsby did not see the field in any other situation with the starters. I thought that was at least notable with all the rhetoric around Travis Etienne and short yardage. So, yeah, it's not great. Tank Bigsby only one snap with the starters. But the snap being in short yardage, maybe they use him in the goal line there as well. So I doubt you made any moves on this, Evan, but any thoughts on the Bigsby Etienne stuff now? No, I mean, I'm, I'm high on Bigsby at this point, and I'm, I plan on staying that way. The fact that he got there out there at all, I think, in 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 the first preseason game was just a good sign. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it was only one snap, but I mean, I wouldn't have expected him to be out there half the time or anything like that. And then the spe- the specific situation, we you know, and we've been talking about this that Tank Bigs- Bigsby could be a major threat to Travis Etienne, who was poor in short yardage and goal line last season. So. Um, no, I'm not making any moves off that, but I mean, like I was already high on Tank Bigsby. Yeah, and he, Evan is a little bit low on Travis Etienne, yeah. around 44 overall for Evan on Travis Etienne. All right, a lot of people were into Greg Dolchich this year. Sean Payton talking about using him, in, uh, using him as the Joker, but man, Adam Troutman is a Sean Payton guy also. Adam Troutman starts the game. Adam Troutman out snaps and out routes Greg Dolchich. In base, it was Adam Troutman was, that was out there. Only in clear passing situations, did Greg Dolchich come onto the field? Which is fine. Greg Dolchich can still get there by only playing on clear passing situations. But we there's a big correlation between snaps and total routes run and tight end scoring. And it looks, at least for now, that Adam Troutman might have that base role. Does that concern you for Greg Dolchich, Evan? Any thoughts on Dolchich versus Troutman? Yeah, I'm just – and I, I was kind of never in on Greg Dolchich, you know, as a, um, as a guy who's a holdover from the previous regime and – Sean Payton brings in his guy and he trusts his guy and Adam Troutman can block. And Greg Dulcich, that's not really Greg Dulcich's game. You know, he's like a field stretching tight end average, like 17 yards per catch in college. Um, you know, I, I, I think Adam Troutman is going to be like a 70% player and Greg Dulcich is going to be like a 45% player. And yeah. I don't think Dulcich is going to get there in fantasy this year. I mean, based on ADP, you can wait a little bit past where Dolchich goes and get Tyler Higby. You can get Chig. Mm-hmm. You can get 
Jawan Johnson. You can get Laporta. I assume you prefer all those guys to Dolphins, yes. I mean, especially at ADP. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, you know, Adam Troutman, because he, he can block, uh, you know, they, I mean, they might be like a power running team this year, the Broncos. So um, Adam Troutman kind of fits that style. Um, certainly more, more so, more so than Greg Dolchich. Uh, speaking of the run game, Jamafonte Williams did not play in this game. They say maybe he'll get out there for the second preseason game. We'll see. I just wanted to note that Samaj P. Ryan played 20 snaps. That was all 20. Russell Wilson played 20 snaps. Samaj P. Ryan was out there for every single one, all 20. If Javante Williams is not ready, I mean, P. Ryan is going to have a real big role right away for this offense. All right. Yeah, I, I think that Samaj P. Ryan could come out the gate and be like a usable RB2 slash flex early in the season as long, you know, at least until Javante Williams gets ramped up. I don't think you're going to be able to use Javante Williams early in the season. Okay. Chiefs wide receiver is a mess, man. Mahomes only played six snaps, right? So we're grasping at a really small sample here. But on those six snaps, MVS played four. Sky Moore played four. Justin Watson, three. Rasheed Rice, three. And by the way, Kadarius Tony didn't play. Justin Ross and Richie James with the next group. I think MVS and Sky, like here, they each played four out of six snaps. I think they're the safest and the best bets mm-hmm. for playing time. After that, I could see some crazy heavy rotation mm-hmm. among all these guys. What's your latest thoughts after seeing the first preseason game on Chiefs wide receivers? Oftentimes, teams will come out early in the season. They'll be playing like four or five receivers in a, in a big rotation. And then as the season progresses, they will narrow that rotation. And I think that that's probably what's going to happen here in Kansas City. I really like that Rasheed Rice got out there at all. Yeah. with uh Patrick Mahomes and it does like appear like he is ahead of Justin Ross. Justin Ross has generated like a lot of Twitter hype, but I think that Rasheed Rice is 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 the you know the better bet. Justin Watson is going to be annoying mm-hmm. because he's going to you know he's he's the type of guy that like he's going to end up playing more than you think because they trust him and he can block and he can run clear out routes or whatever. Uh, so he, he's like, kind of like a big obstacle for Rasheed Rice. And then, you know, we're, we're kind of waiting on Kadarius Tony to get back in there. It does sound like they're optimistic. He'll be ready for week one. And then today we're getting reports that Richie James is running with the one. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of like a nightmare, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and the one that I think is the safest, there's no like upside. There's no breakout potential, but the safest one is MVS. He's going to be out there. He's going to get four or five targets a game for Patrick Mahomes is what it is. He's not going to break out. He's not going to be some superstar. Just is what it is. Sky to me from Sky Moore from a playing time and talent perspective has the best chance for a breakout, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it, man. I mean, I think he can be fine like a juju thing, but I would not bet on some big breakout. No. All right. Justin Fields played seven snaps. I mean, it was ridiculous. He threw a horrible screen play that went for like a 62 yard touchdown Threw another horrible ball that went for a 56 yard touchdown. It was kind of a mess, but I did want to know from a usage perspective, he was out there for seven snaps was Justin Fields. Cleo Herbert was out there for all seven Foreman and Rashawn Johnson came in after Cleo Herbert. I kind of think this is just incumbent deference. Hey, this is the guy last year we had. He's pretty good. We're going to give him all seven snaps with the first team in this game going forward. I think we'll see more Foreman and Rashawn Johnson with the first team. But it looks like Khalil Herbert has his head out in front. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Bears' backfield right now? It's another tough one to sort. I, I really liked what we saw from Khalil, Her- Khalil Herbert last season. And um, 
Uh, the knock on him has kind of been that they don't trust him in pass pro. But the fact that he was out there for for all all the all of Justin Fields' snaps in this particular game suggests that maybe he is uh, garnering some confidence uh, from the coaches in that area, or else I mean he would have got subbed out uh, when when uh, when Justin Fields drops back to pass. There was a report, I believe, in the Athletic today that Roshan Johnson has been the Bears' most impressive running back so far in training camp, and that he already might be the best pass protector among the three we know what Deontay Foreman can do you know he's a very limited he's just a role player but he's he's very good at what he does I mean you know he's your little um, poor man's Derrick Henry I think they'll probably end up using all three guys um, but Khalil Herbert is ranked the highest yeah I like taking some late late shots on Rashawn Johnson it's harder to do that in home leagues because it could be a while before he really gets a good chance but I do think that the guy is talented and they're going to run the ball efficiently this year same with Khalil Herbert though all right Bills came out in this formation that I think we should talk about because I think this might be their most used formation this year. They're calling it an 11 and a half formation. It was James Cook, Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, who was subbing for Step Diggs at the Z, and then both Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. And so this like 11 and a half formation, I think is going to be the one they run a ton of this year. Any more moves for you on the Dalton Kincaid stuff, Evan? Any other thoughts on Bill's pass game? Starting to get some, I'm, you know, it's it's always tough with rookie tight ends, especially when there's already an established veteran there like Dawson Knox. So, you know, my initial thought was, and, and I think that Dar Dalton Kincaid will be a fantasy factor at some point this season. Um, but my my initial thought was that you're going to come out and um Dalton Kincaid would kind of be like a rotational pass catcher early on and Dawson Knox would be their full-time tight end starting to get a little bit more confidence that Trent Sherf Trent Sherfield Dalton Kincaid um could be a, a fantasy factor earlier than I anticipated so I'm gonna have to go look at that a little bit more um Trent Sherfield I think is their third best receiver behind Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis and it, it seems like that they they agree with that yeah I, I think it's noted worth noting that the only one that actually got slot of the rest of these dusty wide receivers was Deontay Hardy so like he might they might view him as the only pure slot I agree with you though that Sherfield is direct backup to Steph Diggs and might have room to be on the field with those guys also in certain formations just think Dalton Kincaid's gonna play a lot I'm not like super excited about it but just think he's going to play a lot in this kind of 11 and a half formation uh, Packers notes, it was Romeo Dobbs and, and Christian Watson in the two wide receiver set as expected when they went three wide, Jaden Reed came on all that was expected. All that is how we've been ranking it all along. Good sign for Luke Musgrave. No surprise, but, uh, Jordan Love played 12 snaps. Luke Musgrave was on the field for all 12 of those snaps in formats, tight end premium, super deep at tight end. Luke Musgrave is certainly, certainly, certainly in play. Anything to add on Green Bay here, Evan? No, um, but Luke Musgrave is clearly out in front of Tucker Craft. You have to remember, this was considered like the best tight end draft class of all time. Yeah. And Luke Musgrave was a big part of that. Um, and at the same time, it's always hard to have faith in rookie tight ends in fantasy football. So, but Luke Mus Musgrave is like a full time player right now. Yeah. He could legit be an every down player starting in week one. You did make a move in the top 150, Evan, bumping. AJ Dillon down 
to mm-hmm. RB42. Maybe explain a little bit to the people about how you view the Dylan versus Aaron Jones thing going this year. Yeah. AJ Dillon, I mean, he's been pretty good the past two seasons. Um, but I, I like, you know, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, and I just don't have a ton of faith that the Packers offense is going to be as good with Jordan Love at quarterback. So I think I was just, I was just too high on AJ Dillon, I think. He's also not a guy I really want to draft. So, you know, that's a transparency thing. If I'm not drafting him, you know, I don't want the readers drafting him. Yeah, I, I think I'd be a little bit higher in the Packers. I may have a slightly more optimistic view on Jordan Love right. than uh, Evan does. But yeah, I think the A.J. Dillon-Aaron Jones split will be very similar to what it was last year on a less efficient offense. But that's why you can get A.J. Dillon really, really cheap. I certainly prefer Brian Robinson Antonio Gibson types in that range over uh, AJ Dillon and Zach Charbonnet actually over AJ Dillon for me. Um, Steelers stuff. Allen Robinson played a lot. Kenny Pickett played 12 snaps. Allen Robinson was out there for nine of them. Six of them came in the slot. I mean, we've talked about this. The dude could be washed. He could be completely done, but he looks to be well ahead of Calvin Austin in their quote unquote battle Mm -hmm. for the slot job. You know, 18th, 19th, 20th round. I think you can do worse than Allen Robinson. Do you think there's any upside, though, for people in redraft home league type stuff with Allen Robinson? I think you're just hoping for a number of usable weeks in best ball, and he's hands-off in redraft season long. We did have Matt Harmon on, and he expressed some optimism about Allen Robinson. Um, I've been, like, taking him because he's so cheap. I mean, I could literally get him. He goes undrafted sometimes. Oh, yeah. He's not drafted in every league. Yeah. Um, and, and I also think that using him as a big slot is the way to go. He right. was obviously out of his element as a, a vertical perimeter receiver last year. He, he did not get the job done. Yeah, but again, six of uh, Robinson's nine snaps in that first preseason game did come from the slot. Sam Howell played 21 snaps. Extended look the commanders got at Sam Howell. Again, one of our favorite late, late, late round quarterbacks. The running back split went like this. Brian Robinson, 11 snaps. Antonio Gibson, 10. Brian Robinson ran eight routes. Really good sign for him. Antonio Gibson, seven routes. I've gone back and forth on this, Evan. Right now, I do prefer Brian Robinson as the bet to get more touchdowns, as the bet to just get more volume. I understand the case for Antonio Gibson. Also, I believe Evan prefers Antonio Gibson to Brian Robinson. But yeah, any thoughts coming out of the first preseason game on B-Rob or Gibson? I would say it looks like an even committee. Um, I prefer Antonio Gibson's talent by quite a bit. I like that Sam Howell looked pretty good. I mean, he looked really good last preseason. Mm-hmm. So I think that they can have a functional offense here in the first year of Eric Bieniemy. Let's go to Deshaun Watson. I always like to get looks at Deshaun Watson because, man, last year was such a disaster. And before that, we hadn't seen him play in so, so long. The thing that sticks out to me on Deshaun Watson in a Browns uniform Dude has been a really willing runner, and he only played 12 snaps in the preseason game. He ran it three times for 20 yards, including including a designed run inside the 10-yard line. And that comes on the heels of Deshaun Watson in six games for the Browns last year, ran it 36 times for 175 yards and a touchdown. And so that's where you start to get later round quarterback ceilings is when Deshaun Watson, who has really good weaponry around him, really good offensive line, and then you add in a pretty good rushing expectation. That's how you get... Deshaun Watson to be worth it in the seventh round or so. Mm-hmm. I've personally been waiting a tier after that for Tua, Gino, 
Daniel Jones, Dak types, but I'm starting to get a little bit more and more worried that Deshaun could actually burn me here. Any thoughts on Deshaun uh, and the Browns' first preseason game? So I've been drafting a lot of Deshaun Watson and, and pairing him with um, David Njoku mm-hmm. in particular, and also some Donovan Peoples-Jones, who goes really late. Um, just like to see him running, you know, especially as someone that has been drafting him a lot, uh, yeah. because that is how he can. I mean, I think that he can get into the into that um, the Joe Burrow, uh, uh, Justin Herbert tier. I mean, I think he's got that kind of upside. If you remember, sort of late in his Texans career, he wasn't running as much, and people would get frustrated about that. But he's been running a lot as a Brown. It's great. He's running a ton. Okay. Last usage note from preseason, a little bit concerning to me that Rondale Moore was only in three wide receiver sets. It was Michael Wilson and Zach Pascal, Pascal subbing for Marquise Brown, who rested in two wide receiver sets. You know, it's one thing for Christian Kirk, right? Like the passing game is going to be good. They're going to run a ton of three wide. I'm more worried for Rondale Moore. I think they're going to play Ertz and McBride together. The passing offense is not going to be good under Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon or whatever they do. And so I... I've kind of been avoiding Rondale Moore at this point, but so is everyone. Evan, how worried are you about Rondale Moore after what we saw preseason week one? Pretty worried. Uh, he's still in the top 150, but, I mean, he's he's sliding. Um, I think Michael Wilson's going to start. Just continually hear rave reviews about how Michael Wilson has, has been performing in training camp. They love the kid. I think it's going to be two receiver sets, Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson and Rondale Moore is probably going to be their slot receiver, assuming he beats out Greg Dortch. Mm-hmm. And some some beat writers in Arizona have kind of alluded to the fact that Rondell Moore is not guaranteed to beat out Greg Dortch. So, mm. ah, re- really wanted to like, I, I still think Rondell Moore should be Austin Eckler. Yeah, not going to happen. I know. Uh- <laughs> and they could use a number two RB, you know that? Yeah, I mean, Rondell Moore is going to fall out of Silva's top 150 soon. I mean, he's almost at the top 150 now, but I can feel it. I can feel Evan's vibe. He's going to fall out of the top 150 soon. Yep. All right. A couple more notes here before we get out of here. Jonathan Taylor returned to the team. Now, he's still not practicing. He's still demanding a trade, but he's on his way, it seems like, to capitulating by getting back to the team. Did you move Jonathan Taylor up at all based on this news? He's back with the Colts. No, I'm still concerned about his actual on-field projection because, again, Anthony Richardson had such a low throw rate to running backs in college, and I don't think they're going to throw the ball very much at all. Jonathan Taylor doesn't have a history of catching a ton of passes. And then I'm worried about the running game because they've got two big holes on their offensive line, and, you know, are they really going to be super efficient as a running team? So there's just enough concerns here that I have Jonathan Taylor as like a third-round pick right now. Yep. I would totally agree. I'm totally fine with that. Beyond all the other stuff that's going on with Jonathan Taylor, I think, as Evan said, there's legit on-field concerns for Jonathan Taylor also. Uh, Kenneth Walker, off the groin, returned to practice. He was about a week, week and a half behind Zach Charbonnet's return to practice. Still think that round five, Kenneth Walker, is a great pick and still think that round 10, round 11, Zach Charbonnet is a great pick. Also, Evan, now that we know Charbonnet and Walker are both going to be healthy, Mm -hmm. for week one how have you been handling them in the rankings well my take to this point has been that kenneth murray (laughs) kenneth walker is going to be the dude um you know like they did with rashad penny and then and kenneth walker last year 
um, and that it would be a, it would take an injury for Zach Charbonnet to really be a fantasy factor and that he's going to be like a handcuff. I'm starting to get cold feet on that a little bit. I went on JJ's JJ Zacharyson's show and we talked about it. I had Zach Charbonnet as a fade. He's a lot more optimistic about Zach Charbonnet. And then I was reading Greg Rosenthal and Greg Rosenthal is not like a reporter or anything, although I know he does get inside information sometimes. And I talked to him about this. He wrote in his 68 notes, which is like the most thorough thing ever um, from preseason week one, that he thinks Zach Charbonnet is going to lead the Seahawks in touches. Yeah. And and Greg Rosenthal has like good instincts. I mean, you know, he's he's a Roto World guy. And well, what's it? I'm curious what his reasoning is there. Um, I, I was just texting with him about it. Uh, his reasoning is that um, he thinks that uh, Kenneth Walker was too boomer bust. Yes. And so that's why they drafted Zach Charbonnet. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I moved up Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. Um, I think he's probably not high enough right now, but I'm definitely starting to get cold feet on my take that Kenneth Walker is going to be the clear feature back. Yeah. I think Charbonnet is going to play plenty. I agree on the boom bust stuff. I just don't think that that's necessarily a negative that Kenneth Walker is boomer bust. I definitely I think Char- Charbonnet- I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, maybe the coaches see it that way though. And I think that's probably what Greg is alluding to. Um, but yeah, I still think Kenneth Walker is a super, super talented guy in round five is just not nearly as much opportunity cost as when he was going around three or so. Interesting one, Evan Keenan Allen told Remedia he's now inside outside. Keenan Allen has been a slot receiver for almost exclusively for most of his career. He's now getting old. Now he's going to try to win on the outside. That scares me a little bit. The data doesn't show that Keenan Allen has declined or can't win outside anymore, but the tape bros do not think that Keenan Allen can win outside. So I'm in a bit of a pretzel here. One thing I will say, if Keenan Allen's really going to play outside some and they're going to get Mike Williams as rumored into the slot, I think that helps Mike Williams a ton. He needs easy passes some easy passes not every target for mike williams needs to be 30 yards down the field where he has to go up over two guys and try to catch the football so if this is true it makes me like mike williams more i don't know that i like keenan allen less but at least gives me some pause what do you think about this stuff evan with keenan allegedly practicing a bunch outside i really like it i I think that um mike williams is going to be their number one receiver this year and I think it's going to help them help them that not only that they're going to you know get them more layup targets, uh, but also that they're going to expand the a dot of the offense as an entity. And he's their best downfield receiver. Uh, there have been mixed reports on Quentin Johnston. Mm-hmm. Um, some writers have suggested that he might open the season as the Chargers number four, mm-hmm. also behind Josh Palmer. And then, but then, man, I've seen like a bunch of videos where he just looks like an absolute beast. And I've heard independently that he looks like a beast in practice. So, um, I don't know, just mixed reports on Quentin Johnston. You know, it's just training camp stuff is in the eye of the beholder. You know, maybe, you know, I'm sure Jordan Addison has had some up and down practices. Mm -hmm. Beat reporters don't feel the need to say it. Someone says it about Quentin Johnston. Now he gets labeled as having an up and down camp. I would not move anything based on these kind of camp reports about Quentin Johnston still think he's really likely to be the number three wide receiver ahead of Josh Palmer pretty early. I I don't think that Mike Williams is going to be the number one receiver like Evan did. I still think that's Keenan's job, but man, if Mike Williams actually does get a bunch of slot stuff, I think it's a huge, huge, huge for him. Last one I wanted to talk about Evan is the tank Dell 
preseason performance. If you watch the game, the first preseason game, Tank Dell had a very, very nice game, and now he's getting drafted a ton. I know there's a lot of college football bros that think Tank Dell is actually very, very good despite being undersized. Any consideration for moving Tank Dell up in the rankings? And we really haven't spent a lot of time on Texans pass game at all this year. I did. I slipped him into the back end of the 150 at uh, wide receiver 64. I've heard that the Texans love this kid. They Their internal comparison for him is Marquise Brown. Um, he balled out in the first preseason game. I don't know if he's necessarily going to open the season in two receiver sets, but I think he's going to get in there. And I think you can take him. I think he's a really good late best ball pick right now. I don't mm-hmm. think you can really take him in, in redraft season long. Or at least, I, you know, He's 165 pounds, you know, so I, but he does play in a, uh, in a retractable roof. So we won't blow away like Tutu Atwell. Last thing I wanted to mention quickly is the Jerome Ford hamstring pull just really sucks because he had locked up the running back two job. This seems like not a mild pull. Like he's actually out week to week. They're calling him. We'll see for week one. Certainly scary. If you watch the preseason game, Demetric Felton had himself a hell of a game in the first preseason game. They have John Kelly there. Also, they could also go back and sign someone. We don't know exactly what they're going to do, but just not great for Jerome Ford. Hopefully your bags were packed already at a pretty good price. But yeah, have you moved Jerome Ford down? And if you were doing a draft now, how would you handle Jerome Ford? Yeah, I moved him down quite a bit because I was high on him um, at the outset. And right now he's a a, a dicey late, late round pick. Um, I think the Browns should, I mean, the Browns like, have a really good roster. Mm-hmm. I think that they should go sign Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be an interesting one for sure. And that would certainly make sense, especially if they don't think that Nick Chubb is good enough in the pass game. Lenny can obviously play in the pass game. All right, that is going to do it for this week's rankings, change, and preseason recap show. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Hope you found value out of it. Be sure, if you're serious about fantasy football, be sure you are on Twitter at Adam Levitan, all one word at Evan Silva, all one word. Also, if you're listening to this audio only on YouTube, there's a ton of content on our YouTube that isn't on here, including, including Silva, Leone, and myself doing a live stream this coming Sunday night of a high stakes draft. I'm sure Leone and Silva will be bickering plenty. I will try to keep the peace. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube for more details on that, it is indeed free. No, no, no. You, 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 you stoked the flames. You're, you're, <laughs> a, you're a provoker, man. I... <laughs> All right, for Evan, for producer Luke, for the most beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.